0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy the Sasquatch Underwood. Let's get right into this. That way, there, we can Um, get through. this. Hello, everybody. I was going to say, as I was introducing you, you could have said hello.
1: Well, you you started with, let's get right into this. So.
0: Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. I know,
1: I'm going to turn it up to 11.
0: You're at a 10, I need you to bring that, you know what, security. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go you're ahead. Not.
0: No, that's all I had to say.
1: <laughs> no, you're just saying, we're going to get right into this, Finish.
0: No, it's getting to the calendars, part oh, 3.
1: Oh, okay. So we're going to do part 3 of the Joseph and Michael calendar today. It's the last part of this three-part series. And keep in mind this is now he's going to court. And he's trying to pretend like he's psychotic.
0: <coughs> right, right. But uh, the fucked up thing is he brought he, he dragged his kid into it too, so.
1: Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. Hang on. I've been drinking some coffee because, you know, it's one of those days. Gribben. Ah, so anyways, um, and the last where we left off is he had reached out to the author of the book Sybil.
0: Right. I remember to, that.
1: Yeah. To get her to help um, prove he was psychotic. So keep in mind, Schreiber was an English professor. She didn't have any skills when it came to clinical issues in the field of psychosis or malingering, which is the act of exaggerating or feigning an illness. Despite this fact, she was quite eager to write another book on the subject of mental illness. Of
0: course, it's money.
1: Oh, totally. Therefore, she jumped at the chance to spend time with a man who claimed to be going in and out of reality. This alone left her vulnerable to someone who wanted to manipulate her for his own selfish purposes. Someone like Joseph Callinger, for instance. After all, she had everything he needed. Media influence, prestige... And she shared a portion of her earnings with her subject. I read it was twelve percent. Which, keep in mind, this is before the Son of Sam law, which man. prohibits a criminal from you know profiting off their crime. I'm just
0: thinking, man, this dude, this dude got a better percentage than my booking agent,
1: right? Ah,
0: damn, I'm in the wrong fucking business. I just
1: say better percentage than you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> damn, what an asshole.
1: Hey, his terms are his, his terms.
0: That's true. His terms are his terms.
1: (laughs) So the major problem she had throughout the entire book was the fact that she accepted the gossip of associates and neighbors and third party hearsay as fact. Well, that and the fact that she took the words and actions of a man doing everything he could to get the world to see him as a true psychotic at face value. There are two things people need to remember when they read her alleged nonfiction account. Number one, it's very unusual for someone who is truly psychotic to be conspicuous in their behavior. In other words, it isn't normal for someone to stand out as a clearly obvious psychotic person. Second, since she had little cooperation from professionals regarding his alleged internal con- confusion, there's no way for us to know exactly how factual the information is. If, as Dr. Hume complained, Joseph Kalinger was a psychopath... Which is not the same as a psychotic, then he would definitely have a propensity to indulge in the, quote, poor me theme that's evident throughout her book. And not only that, he would be able to do it with a convincing, quote, see what the world has made me do attitude. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, look what you made me do. Um, On September 13th, 1976, Joseph Callinger went on trial in Hackensack, New Jersey, for the Romaine home invasion. He's being charged with numerous counts related to the following charges. Assault, taking hostages, theft of property, and the murder of Maria Fashing. Now, the first nine days of the trial was dedicated to jury selection before the actual proceedings could even start. The defense pled not guilty. However, if the state was able to meet their burden of proof then the plea would automatically change to insanity. Now, this trial covered a lot of the same territory as the trial in Dauphin County when it came to Joseph's state of mind. The only difference this time was each side presented more experts than the last. The physical evidence presented by the prosecutor, uh, Larry McClure, to prove his case included the shirt and tie recovered from the park, along with photo uh, calendar wearing those items, and Michael's fingerprints taken from a broken piggy bank found in the house. McCuller's list of witnesses included the survivors from the Romaine home, as well as everyone involved in drawing a link between the shirt and Joseph. Some reports indicate that everyone positively ID'd Calendar from a photo lineup. Now, while the prosecution witnesses were giving their testimonies, Joseph acted out in many ways. Unlike what transpired during his trial in Dauphin County. Remember he was calm?
0: Right, right, right.
1: Right. So he this time he kept sweeping his arms over his head in grand gestures. He would I'm I'm almost trying to do it like people can see me. He exaggerated (laughs) (laughs) kicking motions with his feet. He would chirp randomly. He'd go chirp.
0: I hear you chirping, Big Bird. Yeah, (gasps) precisely.
1: (laughs) And he would talk aloud and shout at random times until eventually the judge ordered to have him removed. Almost acting like he had Tourette's. (laughs) Right? So, however, if Joseph were genuinely psychotic, he would have displayed those same actions while he was in his cell. And he would have been medicated, which in turn would have prevented that behavior in court. However, his action caused many of those present to think he was putting on a one-man show for psychosis, including members of the jury. You know, nobody was, nobody was fooled.
0: Yeah, no, nobody was picking up but he was laying
1: down. That's right. So both sides presented medical professionals with the impressive credentials to offer opposing testimonies on Joseph's mental diagnosis. Most people sitting in the gallery found it all to be rather confusing, which I'm sure they would. However, that didn't matter since so it was finally all up to the jury to decide the issue. That this is what they had to deliberate. The prosecution had proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Joseph Callender had committed the crimes in question. However, there was a doubt as to the degree at which he could appreciate his actions. In other words, was he legally sane at the time he committed the crime? On October 13, 1976, after only two hours of deliberation, the jury returned with a guilty verdict. On October 14, the judge handed down his sentence, life in prison with the possibility the defense chose not to appeal his sentence. So with this trial over, he was sent to a facility in Camden to wait his trial regarding the crimes he committed in Lindenwood. Were, Wold. Because remember, he like did them in like four different jurisdictions.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Right. So some experts have tried to analyze and understand exactly how a man who had no criminal record could suddenly, at the age of 39, embark on a crime speed like Joseph did. Thomas Downs attempted to do this by using a popular misconception regarding schizophrenia that makes, quote, a case for a latent personality inside an otherwise normal person. In fact, Schreiber also referred to Joseph criminal behavior as his, quote, sinister double. Almost as if that other person was the one responsible for his actions and not Joseph himself.
0: That's me. It's my devil. That's the reason why I'm kind of a man whore. It's not me at all. It's my evil twin. Dun, dun, dun. Honey, it's
1: not your evil twin. It's your evil penis.
0: <laughs> my anaconda of love?
1: Don't want none because you got buns, hun.
0: What the flying hell?
1: My anaconda. Don't. It's baby got back. Okay. Yeah. However... By Dr. Richard Knoll's definition of the disease laid out in the Encyclopedia of Schizophrenia, this particular mental illness is defined by delusions, hallucinations, character disturbances in effect, and thinking processes. In other words, it's not that a person has two different personalities or sides to them. It is about the seriously distorted way that they process information about reality. Which is true. That's textbook. Yep. So, some say that a better way to classify Joseph Callenger is with the term schizotypal personality disorder.
0: The hell, what? Oh,
1: yeah. According to the definition given by Mayo Clinic, individuals with this disorder are typically just described as odd or eccentric. They're not schizophrenics, they're schizotypal. Yeah. If they're able to form close relationships, they are few and far between, mostly because they don't have a clear understanding as to how a relationship is formed, nor are they aware of the impact their behavior can have on those around them. For example, they might misinterpret the behavior and motivations of others, which causes them to develop a significant level of distrust with those around them, which was Joseph. Now, these particular problems might result in a severe social anxiety, which leads to individuals, quote, tendency to avoid social situations, which that was evident by the way Joseph sheltered his family from having social contact with those around him, especially if the person with the disorder holds certain peculiar beliefs, which makes it difficult for them to respond appropriately to certain social cues, which was evident by Joseph's belief that he could make people's lives better with his shoe supports and the fact that he was a fucking butterfly.
0: Uh, I'm a butterfly. I can relate.
1: Scott, no. Sometimes I had to drink some coffee, but no.
0: <laughs> Sometimes when we touch.
1: Your butterflies too much? My
0: butterflies too much. <laughs>
1: right? Anyways, that being said, the issues a person has with this disorder. Oh, hang on. I did something wrong. There we go. Um, ugh, fuck. I lost my place. Oh, here I uh, With this disorder, disorder ha, um, are not severe enough to warrant a diagnosis of schizophrenia. However, they will, quote, show a pervasive personality structure. And also one must keep in mind that a personality disorder does not equal a severe mental illness. Some reports indicate that in 1977, Joseph set his cell on fire, which resulted in his transfer to the Trenton Psychiatric Hospital. During the three weeks he was there, he attempted to suffocate himself with with some plastic he got his hands on. That's not a bad thing. (laughs) Right? Especially with him. Despite that, he managed to convince a judge to allow him to defend himself during his fourth trial. However, after the judge ruled in his favor, he wrote the man so many letters and started another fire that the judge said, nah, you cannot. You have to have appointed counsel.
0: <laughs>
1: so the trial lasted two weeks and both sides presented the same experts and the jury again found him guilty of breaking and entering an armed robbery, as well as a handful of other charges. In 1978, Joseph was transferred to the Fairview State Hospital for the criminally Insane <laughs> on Waymar, in Waymart, Pennsylvania. While he was there, he attempted to kill a fellow inmate. It was there that Joseph Callinger finally met his fate. Reports indicate that on March 26, 1996, he had a seizure, which resulted in his death. Okay? Now, in The Shoemaker, Schreiber claimed that during the extensive interview she conducted with Joseph, he confessed to committing two murders in addition to that of Maria Fashing. According to her, he admitted he murdered his son, Joey, As well as that other boy who lived in the neighborhood that we talked about way back when.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Right. I'll discuss the murder of the neighborhood boy in a moment. In regards to Joseph confessing to murdering Joseph Jr., I managed to find a clip from an interview he gave to Geraldo Rivera that's (laughs) approximately two minutes long.
0: Uh, what a minute, was it before or after he had his nose broken? Good old Geraldo. Uh, Geraldo,
1: I, it was in the 80s, so...
0: Oh, it may have been right around the time he went looking for Al Capone's vault.
1: Yeah, I think so. I love Geraldo, yeah. Yeah, because they have a clip of him looking for the vault. So here's what was said during the interview, where it appeared as if he was medicated. In my opinion, it was rather eye-opening. Because if you look at him in the interview, his eyes are, got that glazed look. But so the clip opens with Joseph describing himself. He says, I'm a patient person. I have a good listening ear and I try to help people.
0: And as a butterfly, I must be patient so I can get the pollen. <laughs> With my little butterfly wings and my little butterfly tongue, because I flutter away. But he
1: didn't talk about how he was a caterpillar first in a cocoon.
0: See, that's how I know he's not a real butterfly. Because I wrap into a cocoon at night, and when I emerge in the, m- in the morning, I go from a scatterpillar to a beautiful scotterfly.
1: <laughs> You're so dumb.
0: So I'm a flutter. <laughs> See, I like they. to keep
1: my room cold too, and then just like bundle up in blankets. So when I wake up, it's like refreshing. Yeah. So anyways, Rivera repeats what Joseph said and follows it with when you're not trying to murder people. And then I'm just going to go through without saying who's saying what. Joseph, yes, you murdered your own son. Yes, I did. Why did you do that? He was a sacrifice. I was to murder 3 million people on the planet Earth. And he was a sacrifice to see if I could murder one of my own. At the end of murdering all the people on earth, I was going to murder my family and then take my own life and become God. What do you th- what do you think of the death penalty? I'm opposed to it. So the state has no right to take your your life, but you can murder other people. I don't think anyone has the right to take a life except you. When I'm under hallucinations I do, then he starts fiddling with his fingers, right? <laughs> like he's nervous. <laughs> So the interview goes on for a few more seconds where Joseph talked about the incident when he tried to murder a fellow inmate. And this is what's said in the last few seconds. Rivera says, do you think you'd murder me, Joe? Joseph says, yes. And then licked his lips. Like Mm. he couldn't wait to do it.
0: Because she looks delicious to the (laughs) butterfly.
1: So Rivera says, that's gruesome, Joe. That's horrible. Yes, it is. You don't blame me if I say, I hope you never get out of this place. And Joseph ends the interview by saying, I hope I never do either. Yeah. This is cool about that. Yeah. So as I stated earlier, while Schreiber interviewed Joseph for her book, she accepted his claim that, quote, something emerges from inside him that he wasn't able to understand. So in true 1970s fashion, she looked to his childhood to answer the questions she had about him. Joseph claimed that his adopted parents were not only strict, they were rather unloving. For instance, there was a time they took him to the hospital for a hernia operation. When he got home, oh my God, well, this is him saying it, but anyways, he says that when he got home, they told him, quote, the doctor had also fixed his penis, so it would never get hard. He said that that made him insecure about the size of his genitals. Well, hold on, that, that could be
0: legit because remember Carl ram when he after they fixed Oh him my up? god,
1: yeah, they took his testicle
0: when they fixed his leg. Right, after he laid and suffered for like 18 months or some shit or 14, it was a long 14 time. months, yeah. Yeah, and then they, they, along with everything else, they took one of his testicles for no damn good. So I don't know, uh, it it's like happened. he
1: wakes up and it's like, okay, we fixed your leg and we removed a testicle.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Just for good measure. Hmm. So, um, despite his claims of insecurity with his genitals, he did go on to have seven children with two different wives. And he demanded that three of his victims perform oral sex on him during his attacks. Therefore, it doesn't appear as if he truly had a sexual dysfunction, except for the unnatural fear that his penis maybe was too small. Which, you know, a lot of guys have that fear, don't they? They do? I don't know. You always say how you're... You know,
0: no, that's what I tell girls before a date. I know, and then well, there's a reason, man. Because, I, I, from what I have seen, guys who have a really small pee pee say it's big. They're, oh man, I'm hung like a fucking horse. No, you're not, dumbass. <laughs> so, I, I like it to be a little surprise. That's that's all. That's all I'm saying. Is I like it to be a little surprise, a little yep. womp. <laughs> Let's just say that I'm not insecure about you're the not size insecure
1: about anything
0: of my penis.
1: Yeah, you're not insecure about anything that way. Oh, well,
0: yeah, not that way.
1: I mean, we have a friend that says that he wish he had as as much confidence as you in that area.
0: <laughs> I'm confident in, in every area of my life.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, I'm a very confident person. I mean, except for just before a show.
1: Well, yeah, but that's natural.
0: But that's yeah, that's just my negative yeah self talk until I get up on stage and I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh
1: yeah, me too, me too. I mean, I was in thespian club. Shut up, thespian. Club in high school, and before each presentation I did, I was so fucking nervous. But I mean, I took I, I mean, I made thespian club in my sophomore year, which is unheard of. So,
0: ah, damn! I've been watching thespians on Pornhub. I didn't even know I could have had a club going on. Thespians is speech,
1: you moron! I thought
0: that was acting.
1: No, it's like talking to a public and drama. I mean, debate club.
0: (laughs) Man, thespians!
1: Shut up. Even though she didn't have any corroborating evidence to prove that the event actually took place, she stated in her book that that by saying that, Joseph's parents, quote, symbolically castrated his ability to grow up normally. According to her, that's also why he chose to kill with a knife. In the book, she gets rather extensive when it comes to her analysis of Joseph's alleged penis fixation, and it boiled down to her claim that the knife allowed him to go from victim to victimizer. In other words, it was a substitution for his penis since he had become so, quote, obsessed with the male organ.
0: Jesus Christ, Which man. we have
1: seen before in serial killers. No, we we have, but honestly,
0: yeah. I, I really try to relate to most of our serial killers in some way or another. You know what I mean? I try, try. Okay, I can kind of see right. that. I really don't relate to people who are so obsessed about their dick size that... It, it, it takes over their life. Yeah. Just, it makes no fucking because, sense to me.
1: I mean, I'll be honest with you. As a woman, if a man knows what he's doing, the size of his penis really doesn't matter.
0: That makes sense, yeah.
1: I mean, granted, you know, but like I said, he has to know what he's doing. Ugh, I hate it when they're in. I hate it when I have to teach. So <laughs> when Joseph talked about talked to her about his utter lack of empathy which is a common trait with psychopaths she interpreted it to mean he was quote abused into withdrawal as to the extent of physical abuse that was inflicted on him she only had his version of the alleged incident she didn't try to corroborate anything he did tell her that when he was younger he went around terrorizing other boys in his neighborhood with a knife experts have long agreed that this is a classic indication of a conduct disorder that's often associated with future violence which is true Yeah,
0: makes sense, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's like people going around, you know, abusing and killing animals and all that crap. Right, 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 right. However, in the book, she blamed that behavior on the actions of his parents. Well, she blamed that and everything else he did on his parents. Joseph claimed that the first woman he was married to absolutely refused to take responsibility and help care for their two children. It was around the time that the marriage crumbled when he discovered he could get an erection easier if he held a knife in his hand to masturbate. (laughs)
0: Right? He told Schreiber
1: that beginning around the time he was 15 years old, he started having hallucinations of the devil and God. In fact, he said those hallucinations were the cause of him setting those fires to his buildings years before. He claimed, quote, the voices told him to do it. I must say, she totally left out the part about the financial gain he received.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Yeah, and
1: during the interview, he laid out a rather long and convoluted History of the hallucinations he allegedly had. Keep in mind, no one else had ever heard or knew about these supposed hallucinations. He also gave extensive detail about his foot experiments. Then he launched into tales of the abuse he inflicted on his own children. His tales were so sadistic in nature, she once again associated with the abuse that was inflicted on him as a child, allegedly he talked to Schreiber about his alleged mission that was referred to in his interview with Geraldo. Apparently, sometime in the winter of 1973 to 1974, he supposedly received a directive from God to destroy mankind. This decree required him to, quote, kill everyone with a butcher knife. Once he received his mission, he enlisted the aid of his son, Michael, to carry it out. According to Joseph's claims, he and Michael would ride the city bus to a town they had never been to before, and the boy would break into strangers' houses in order to rob them. Allegedly, Michael committed at least two dozen robberies in all by himself. Despite a large amount of publicity in the in Philadelphia, New York, and New Jersey area in 1975, nobody else came forward to link these alleged robberies with other crimes.
0: Picture it, New Jersey, 1975.
1: <laughs> right, Exactly. Sophia, after Michael has supposedly, quote, committed numerous burglaries on his own, he started demanding that Joseph enter the house as well. So he's basically blaming everything on his 12 year old son.
0: See, and that's horseshit, man, because, OK, yeah, let's say for argument sakes that that his son, Michael, went and burglarized places on his own. Okay, right. Just for argument's sake, you're living with psycho Sally over there. Fucking yeah. Joseph. You know, and he's sending you out there to do it. You're living basically under duress, under under, under a lot of fear and a lot of pressure. Right, and he's talking about it...
1: how he abused his children.
0: Right, so it's I, I can't fault Michael for this at all. I mean, shit. What well, think about it? Well, it, if if I let's say that I beat the shit out of you every day, okay, yeah, and you were actually afraid of me. I told you, hey, you need to go rob the neighbor's house, you'd fucking do it because- Oh, yeah,
1: in a heartbeat. What are your
0: choices? You rob the house and do what you're told, or I beat the shit out of you even more, and maybe, maybe if you rob that house, you can get out of a beating right. today and tomorrow. I mean, exactly. that's, that's a good trade-off for a kid, man.
1: Exactly. No, I agree with he's you.
0: Fucking, this dude's just, this Joseph Callinger, he's a fucking piece of garbage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, at, oh, Schreiber didn't even try to corroborate these accounts with actual police or press reports. According to Joseph, it was Michael who made him vulnerable to the risk in the long run. You
0: lying piece of shit! Oh, wait, it gets like better. Like for real, Joseph, I don't even know if you're still alive, and I no, God, he died. Hope, we talked about oh, that. Oh, he, oh, you did. Well, even if he was, I would tell this guy to his face. He's a fucking lying piece of shit, literally. Well, yeah, but wait, God, it garbage. gets better,
1: Scott. At some point, while they were successfully committing robberies, Joseph received his supernatural instructions to kill 3 million people. In her book, Schreiber said the number was 3 billion. However, in the interview with Rivera, Joseph himself said 3 million. According to Joseph's claims, he thought about it and determined he didn't know how to go about killing a person. When he shared with Michael what God had told him to do and talked to him about not knowing how to do it, Michael allegedly responded by cheerfully saying he'd be glad to do it.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: So Joseph said that one day in July 1974, he and Michael happened to notice a boy around Fifth Street in In Philadelphia. The boy was 10-year-old Jose Colazo.
0: Oh, it's a Mexican. Okay.
1: Yeah. According to Joseph's account, he and Michael (laughs) led young Jose to a secluded area inside an old abandoned factory. Once they had him alone, they, quote, snipped off his penis, shoved shears into his rectum, and killed him. Then he said that he kept the boy's dismembered penis as a trophy. However, keep in mind, Schreiber never verified any information she received from Joseph before she wrote and published her book. Yeah, How- but think about it, even let's, let's say, for argument's sake, that that is
0: true. Mm-hmm. He's saying that it was Michael that kind of made him do this, is what he's right, uh, pretty what he's much. saying. That is not something that Who's any 12 year old is going to do. Okay, kill a kid, sever their penis. We've seen that before in kids. Okay? Yes. But we have to assume that, what, like, Michael at this point is maybe like 10 and not 12? Yeah. Okay. You know, a typical 10-year-old isn't going to come up with this great plan with his daddy to lure a kid and and, and do all this extra shit on top of that. That is an adult thing. Plus, you hit the nail on the head. Dude, you're the fucking adult. Be the fucking adult, you moron.
1: Exactly. So... You know, I'm not one to take things at face value because, let's face it, people lie. Even when they admit to crimes that they allegedly committed. I don't want to have to remind you, Henry Lee and yeah. Otis.
0: Now. I don't know. I think Henry Lee was telling the truth myself.
1: Uh, Hold on, on everything. I'm, I'm going to go follow
0: him and Lucas into this. Uh, yeah, I'm going to follow Henry Lee, Lucas, and Otis Toole into this hotel room because they've got knives and poisons and. And yeah. straps. Because yeah, what's the what's the worst that could happen? Yeah,
1: dude, I be- I totally believe he killed Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> no, totally, man. Yeah, he's that smart. He is. So, an article in the July ninth, nineteen seventy four edition of the Philadelphia Inquirer, it gives an account of when Joseph went missing, as well as when and how his body was discovered. Jose was last seen by his parents on July seventh at approximately six p.m. when he left his house to go. Sorry to the community rec center nearby that had a swimming pool when he failed to return home they not- notified the authorities and the police conducted a search of the neighborhood that evening with no success his body was found on july 8th by some youths playing in the abandoned art loom carpet company building at approximately six fifteen p.m the next day okay so 24 hours later.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yeah. According to the report, when the authorities arrived on the scene, there were no visible signs of injury other than a small laceration in the groin area. They also determined that he had been dead for approximately four to 10 hours prior to his body being discovered. And an article published in next day stated that when police arrived on the scene, they discovered the nude remains of Jose but and they couldn't find his clothes. It also stated that during the autopsy, the medical examiner noted there was bruising on Jose's face, chin, shoulder, and leg. Asphyxiation was cited as his cause of death. However, I could not find any reports that mentioned Jose had any injuries to his rectum or that his genitals had been removed or mutilated. Nor could I find anything about him being found with a gag, which would have been a clear indication of homicide. However, the authorities didn't treat it as a homicide until the autopsy was complete. Right? So, also, Joseph indicated that he killed the boy around 4 p.m. on the day they saw him walking. However, the reports clearly state that he was last seen at around 6 p.m. on Sunday, and his body was discovered at approximately 6.15 p.m. on Tuesday. The authorities determined his time of death to be 4 to 10 hours before that. Therefore, there's also a discrepancy in the timeline. There's no way they could have killed him at 4 p.m. Right?
0: Right, right, right. I'm following.
1: Yeah, because I mean, A, he didn't leave the house till after 4 on Sunday. And even if they killed him at 4 p.m. on Monday, it would have indicated that he had died within two hours. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Then we have approximately two weeks after that. Joseph said that he and Michael told Joey Jr. they wanted to take him to a nearby abandoned building to take some pictures. Once they had him there, they chained him up to a ladder and pushed him so that his, he was face down in some water to drown him. According to Joseph, while this whole incident transpired, he achieved an orgasm. In her book, Schreiber claimed that Joseph didn't feel guilty about murdering his own son because he was protected from it with a schizophrenic disassociation. However, A psychopath is able to murder anyone of their choice without feeling an ounce of remorse. Coincidentally, quote, Charlie, the ghost, didn't appear to Joseph until the day the authorities informed him they were investigating him for Joey's murder. Okay. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So Joseph also stated that sometime during their six week crime spree, Michael approached him and issued an ultimatum. Quote, if we don't kill, I won't go out again. In other words the older man had no other option but to murder people. Jesus he claimed crap. bullshit. Yeah, he claimed from that day forward his core personality would only watch as his quote double committed the horrible acts.
0: You know what? I think I honest to god believe Lucas and Tool work smarter more than I do. This dude. Like seriously.
1: Yeah. Me too. However, for a man who claims he has memory loss and, quote, fell out of touch with reality, his recollections of the events that transpired are amazingly coherent and extremely detailed. So Joseph talked to Stryber about why he chose to murder Maria Fashing. According to him, she was a sacrificial lamb, and he chose her because he was able to get her up from the floor easier than the others. It didn't even cross his mind that she was beautiful. He stated that he dragged her downstairs to the basement and demanded she perform oral sex on Frank, the other guy. Not only that, he wanted her to chew the man's penis off. When she refused, quote, Charlie ordered him to stab her with the knife and he had no option but to comply. After he and Michael fled the Romaine house, Joseph said they hopped on a bus to get to New York where they went and had some pizza. The funny thing is, during the interview, he stated that... That was the moment that his, quote, godly mission truly started. That statement alone is a glaring contradiction to the fact that he had already murdered Jose and Joey. It also contradicts other claims where he said Joey Jr. was his sacrifice. I also want to point out that in his statement to Schreiber, he said that he received an order to kill Maria from, quote, Charlie. However, in other interviews and statements, he claimed that he received a mandate from God to murder people. So, granted. I call
0: that whenever I go out with bandmates. Yeah. Mandate. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) You're right.
1: (laughs) Yes, I was going to continue, but I couldn't.
0: (laughs) You're welcome.
1: I have. (laughs) Sometimes you still get me. Granted, I haven't read the entire Bible from cover to cover, but I don't recall ever reading or hearing that God also went by the name Charlie. Joseph, Alpha, Omega, Yahweh, Almighty. Those are just a few I can think of off the top of my head. Um, But I don't recall Charlie.
0: um, Okay, number one, he prefers Chuck. Oh, okay. Or Charles, but prefers Chuck. Yeah, Chuck Almighty. (laughs) Sometimes he's also known as Chuck Roast Almighty.
1: (laughs) Is that any relation to um, Evan Almighty and Bruce Almighty?
0: Chuck Roast is way more powerful than Evan and Bruce. Way gotcha. more. He comes with a sides. Gotcha. He, he comes with sides, okay? Yeah. Potatoes, some green beans. Sometimes he peas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, one final thing before this is over. It's important <laughs> to note that during Joseph's four trials, there wasn't one time when his son Michael was called to the stand to testify. Nor did he ever, Michael, never discuss what happened with anyone, for that matter. In fact, after he was arrested, he was sent to a juvenile detention f- facility for supervision until he turned 21. And he was eventually released to a foster home where he changed his name and nobody ever heard from him again.
0: Except for Charlie the Ghost.
1: Charlie. yeah, Char-
0: Charlie knows him. Oh, yeah.
1: Charlie knows where he's yep. at.
0: Or... Chuck roast almighty.
1: (laughs) No. So that's all with this case. I was just floored by how I mean, because we've seen where um, defendants have acted out in court before. Let's not mention cheating.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Even Randy Kraft.
1: Oh, yeah. Randy Kraft did, too.
0: Yeah. And I I, I just been thinking because we were talking about Kearney earlier and. I can't think of Kearney without thinking of uh, Randy Kraft, Kraft and Bonin, even though yeah. all three of them weren't associated with each other.
1: No, no.
0: You know, they, they were just all the kind of freeway killers. Yeah. I still time. think
1: Bonin and Kraft had their own low competition going. I could have been. Under the surface, because they knew so- the other one was out there. They had oh, yeah. to.
0: I, no, I agree. But, yeah. So the standalone is, of course, Kearney.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Love I know, you, we all know your infatuation with Kearney.
0: Love Patrick Kearney, man.
1: Yeah, he's the one you, you would go gay for Kearney.
0: I would. Yeah. I, I, I they, would just, people
1: say gay for the state when they're in prison, but you'd go gay for Kearney.
0: I would get a boombox out outside of his window, click, I don't know much, but I know I love you. I would serenade. With your little
1: it. note cards. <laughs>
0: That's right. I'd be holding that big old, you know, big old flashcards. Thump. Dear Patrick.
1: Hold on. <laughs>
0: Thump. I miss and love you. (laughs) Write me. (laughs) Write me a letter back. Yeah. I can't cry anymore. (laughs) Right,
1: right. But no, so, oh, I don't even have to ask you what you think about this idiot.
0: He's a fucking moron. Yeah. Seriously. Him being dead is probably the best thing for the universe.
1: Probably. And, you know, his just whole fucking excuse after excuse after excuse. and. You know, even with some of our most notorious psychopathic serial killers, they at least take some accountability.
0: And blame this kid for everything. That, that that's Oh, amazing. that's bullshit. That's jacked, man. What a fucking yeah, weak piece of shit.
1: I mean, you've seen pictures of Michael. He's so he's like very frail looking. Yeah, yeah. Michael
0: yeah. ain't doing shit. Yeah. Except for trying not to get the fuck knocked out of
1: him. Yeah. Because there's no way he could overpower anybody <clears throat> and kill him.
0: <clears throat> yeah. No shit, man. All right. You ready to wrap this one up?
1: Yep. That's
0: right. All right, boys and girls, remember you can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, or wherever you get your blogs. Just type in at brutalnation. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved, and we will see you boys again tomorrow. Bye bye.
1: Bye, everybody.